your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Ken Rosenthal has a brand new piece up at The Athletic talking about baseball coming back. He talked to five different team exards in regards to player safety will look way different after the feedback from teams, the Players Association, and players. So that 67-page proposal, Michelle, that we've talked about over the course of the last couple of days, according to this executive, will perhaps not even be recognizable when and if Major League Baseball and the PA come to an agreement. Well, you had to assume that Major League Baseball was going to do everything to protect the players and protect themselves. And that was, of course, going to all be in the initial proposal. And if they say, this is what we recommend for your health and safety, and then the players say, well, you know, you can take these sections of this off the table. We're not going to do this. It's baseball protecting themselves. So I, I'm not surprised that this is how this is going to go. Because when you we read a lot of the comments from players, some of the stuff is, well... Probably smart to put into practice, almost unrealistic. Well, and that one of those points is Mike Trout asking for daily testing. And Rosenthal writes, daily testing might not be available by early July when MLB intends to begin play. So you're either going to have twice a week testing, maybe three times a week, or you're not going to be playing. And players are going to have to make that decision. Baseball has done a lot, spent a lot of money to build a facility to do testing, but they just don't have the capacity to test every player every day. I wonder what the reaction from the public would be if they were getting tested every day. Well, if it's on their dime and they have put together all of the protocols and then all of the abilities mm-hmm. at that Utah facility to do it, if they're if it's on their own dime and it's not a publicly financed endeavor, I don't have a complaint with that. If my company would do it, I would be on board with it. Basically, what it is is your company trying to protect, as players, trying to protect you. Sure. And I don't know how players could really have a, a problem with that. I I think, in theory, they say, yes, we want to be tested every day. I wonder how quickly that would get old with them. How quickly it would be like, all right, we have to do this every day now. Yeah, I, I would think pretty quickly. Yeah. Because that's not a pleasant experience at the moment. Well... That's kind of what I was thinking when I was reading that some players were advocating for daily tests. I thought, do they know what the test entails? Because a lot of people yeah. say they very much oh, did not enjoy the know. experience. It hurts your nose. Yeah. So you might want to read that piece by Ken Rosenthal at The Athletic. And a lot of news from a lot of different sources. And I trust all of these guys implicitly, whether it's Tim Kirchin or Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal. I think some people have different approaches. Some people are more cautious. Jeff Passan is just telling you and Ken Rosenthal what the people that they're talking to are saying but there are a lot of differing opinions between the Players Association team executives, team owners and eventually they'll all have to get together and come up with one 
plan that everybody agrees on, right? Yes, that is hopefully the end goal here. But it's just amazing to me that it seems like so many people in a position of power could be on such different wavelengths with this. That after months and months of conversations, that you could have someone like Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal or Buster Olney saying, I'm still getting such conflicting messages from different parties every day. 100% different. 100% different. As as Tim Kirchner mentioned earlier, he got a call on Sunday from a player... A former player who said there's no way we play in 2020. The next day, he talked to a general manager who said it's 100% that we're going to play. So, yeah, you couldn't be at further ends of the spectrum. Gosh, I hope that the GM is right. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Marley Rivera of ESPN.com talked and wrote about Yadier Molina wanting to extend his career beyond this year when his contract ends. Yesterday... Yachty's brother, Benji Molina, joined us here on Carriker and Smallman and talked about the extension of Yachty's career. For me, it's a no-brainer to bring Yachty to the club and for, for this year, obviously, and for next year, and maybe one more, too, because if you have somebody else better than him, I understand. But if you still don't have that guy that's going to do him or better, I don't see why it's no-brainer, right? Yeah. So you said 21 and 22, two more years after this year. If he wants to, he's in great shape, man. Nobody has put an H on anything. He, he's taking care of himself. He's running 10 miles. He's in good shape. He's in good shape. I mean, obviously, he, he has to be the one to dictate what he's going to play, of course. But I'm sure this year he's going to play and next year for sure. Then after that, he'll have to decide. And, Michelle, that is a decision that the Cardinals will have to make because not only do they have, let's be fair and honest about this, while he is in great shape, you have a declining Yadier Molina, Mm -hmm. offensively and defensively. And if you look at any metric, offensively, defensively, if you want to go war, OPS, he's declined over the course of the last three seasons. The Cardinals' number four prospect is a catcher who's going to turn 20 next week, Ivan Herrera. And his ETA is 2022. Benji just said 2022. Yachty might want to play then. And the Cardinals' number six prospect is still Andrew Kisner, who is on the team now. And... The Cardinals have high hopes for him, especially offensively, and they think that he can advance defensively. At what point, they have to ask themselves, do their metrics show Kisner and or Herrera surpassing Yadi or Molina? And does it make sense for them to have Yadi in 2022, or might one of these kids be better by then? Yeah, if you're the Cardinals, you've thought you've had the heir apparent to Gaudi or Molina before in Carson Kelly. Now you have Andrew Kisner, who's up to deck, and you have Herrera looking down down the road. You have some decisions to make. I really understand the argument from both sides because when Benji, when we spoke to Benji Molina yesterday, I understand what he's saying about Yadier Molina. While he is in great shape and and he does have that competitive fire that he wants to come back, and we knew that that was going to happen. We knew Yadi wasn't just going to ride off into the sunset when he felt like he still had stuff left in the tank. But the things that Yadi brings to the club, from a leadership standpoint, from the way that he communicates with his pitchers, the development of so many pitchers in this organization is attributed in large part to Yadi or Molina. And if I'm the Cardinals, I understand that it's more than his batting average. And I understand that while some parts of his game may be declining, I am really reluctant to give up on all of those things that he brings to our organization. And I better be really sure that if I'm going to move on from him, that we do have that guy in place and ready to go once he's gone. That's the key. Is a 22-year-old Ivan Herrera going to bring you what you need that is more effective in terms of winning than 
a Yadier Molina who turns 40 that year or a 39-year-old Molina as opposed to Kisner next year. And the other thing you're going to have to keep in mind is that you're going to have, by the time you get to 2022, you're going to have a super young team. You're going to have Gorman. You'll probably still have DeYoung and Wonger. Uh, Goldie would still be around. The catcher situation would be in flux, but you'll have a really young outfield and a really young pitching staff. So is it good to have a 40-year-old guy with a bunch of guys that are 25 and younger, aside from Wonger, who would be in his 30s at that point? Or is it better to just have that young group grow together? I think you can make an argument for either one. There's certainly um, some merits to having a young team grow together and learn together. But to have a guy like Yadi or Molina be the singular tone setter on that team, there's no one better for people to learn from and people to want to emulate. Right now, in 2020, I agree with you. But he's going to have to defer. He's going to have to allow somebody to get some reps at the major league level. And he's going to have to act as a mentor. He's going to have to do things that he really hasn't been willing to do before if he's going to be beneficial for the future of the Cardinals. He's going to have to make Kisner and or Herrera better players. He's going to to have to be the non-Brett Favre or Joe Mm -hmm. Montana. Favre with Rodgers or Montana with Steve Young. I agree. And, well, I think... A lot of people have a hard time imagining Yachty doing that because he feels like he is still 100% and that he's in, you know, an elite catcher and that he wouldn't want to defer to someone else. I don't wonder if his relationship with Mike Schilt might help that cause because he knows that he, Yachty's such a team player. He doesn't want to do anything to put his team at a detriment. He wants, above all, he wants to win. He wants to compete, but he wants to compete and win. And I don't wonder if Mike Schilt, who we've talked about, is such an amazing manager of, of players uh, and of people, doesn't have that conversation with him saying, hey, you love this organization, you love this city, we love you back, but we need to come up with some sort of an arrangement here so that we have mutual success where you're satisfied and the club is satisfied because you know at some point this is this is going to end. It, father time is undefeated, isn't he? Father time is undefeated. And Yachty knows that. And I think that, you know, he is saying all of this now because of the physical state that he's in and, and the way that he's approaching the game. He's not going to go out there. At least I don't think he would go out there and put himself in a position to look bad or to make the team look bad. Benji told us that Yachty is running 8 to 10 miles every single day. So in any given two-day period, he has run more than I have run in my entire life combined. You know, when Benji told us that yesterday when he said he's running 8 miles, 10 miles, I thought... I'm already wondering how Yachty functions with his knees anyway, being a catcher and you're running like that. He's a superhuman. It's unbelievable. I think the more impressive thing to me was was when they were talking, when Benji was talking about how he spends his days watching old bullpen videos of pictures. <laughs> right. You know, like we're in quarantine. Everyone's like binging Tiger King or whatever. Yachty's locked in watching old videos of bullpens and communicating with his pitcher saying, hey, I need you to work on this pitch. You know that we're going to play this team and this hitter likes the ball here. Let's work on this pitch so that we can, you know, counteract that. He just, and that's so valuable to the Cardinals. He is such a savant and he is so dedicated to his craft and to the organization. So I understand why the Cardinals would be reluctant to let go of that. Yeah, let's find an algorithm to determine the value of what you just described. Right. 
It's not as easy as just as looking at a batting average. Absolutely. It's, it's not an easy decision, and it's going to be an, an emotional decision, too. Next up, and by the way, that was our today's big thing here on 101 ESPN. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls. Michelle will have some fantastic topics for you and me next in, on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. One of our favorite segments of the day. Michelle, what do you have for us? So, Randy. You're killing me, Small. Oh, man. <laughs> After I did it yesterday. You're on a one-game winning streak. You know, this is like the reverse of the fight where you dominate every day. I have one job, and it's to not step over that sound. Can we just add the sounder into the open or something so that I don't step over Good it every idea. day? <sighs> anyway. <laughs> So this is an exciting initiative that I wanted to let everybody know about. So our friends at MLS for the Lou, Carolyn Kendall Betts, and everyone involved there, if you go to their Twitter page, at MLS, the number four, the Lou, they have a great initiative that they started that's helping families in St. Louis. So if you post this video, you have to hashtag it, Meals for the Lou. They're going to donate to the St. Louis Food Bank and help families in need. But what you do, and I'm going to have you do this, Randy, you actually have a soccer ball that Surprise you Surprise were- you? Yeah, when I asked you if you had a soccer ball, you said you had one in the office. It very much surprised me. One year for, maybe it was last year, for Halloween, I dressed up as Harry Kane from Tottenham. Look at you. I have a, I have a Harry Kane uh, kit. Nice. We got to, we got to, once we have our St. Louis MLS team, we got to get you that kit. Oh, no doubt. We got to get you all, all decked out. So here's how, how it works. All you have to do is shoot a quick video of yourself receiving, now no hands, receiving a soccer ball to your feet or your head from the right, and then you pass it off screen to your left. You upload it to social media with the hashtag meals for the loop. It's very simple. And then you can help out families in, uh, in our community in need. Isn't it amazing what the, uh, the, MLS group here in St. Louis has done even before they've ever played a game or finished their stadium. What they do for the community is remarkable. It's great. It really is, and it's so refreshing, you know, mm-hmm. based on our situation with Stan Kroenke and the Rams, to then have the two professional teams that come in at, right in the wake of that, the Battle Hawks and our future MLS team, and have the ownership and everyone involved in those two organizations be the complete opposite of Stan Kroenke and love St. Louis and want to pour into St. Louis and not only talk the talk, but actually walk the walk, too. Right. So, yeah, we got to get you to shoot that video, Randy. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, so Adam Schefter put this out yesterday, Randy. NFL jersey sales rankings. As of today, who do you think has the top jersey as far as sales is concerned in the NFL? I'm going to go with Tua. You are right. He actually takes the number one and number two spot. Really? The first one is the Dolphins Aqua. Mm -hmm. Number two is the Tua jersey and the white. That's amazing. And number three, four, five, and six. Do you want to guess who took that spot? I will go with. Uh, I'll go with Brady still being in the top. Is he three? Is he's, Brady Tampa. He's three through six. Brady. Wow. Different versions of the of the Bucks jersey. I thought Brady would be number one. I was. I know that people in Miami are desperate for a quarterback. They're desperate for a star, and so they're buying it on Tua. I thought there was no way that Brady didn't take the top spot. So to have Tua take number one and two, I thought was very interesting. And. I have to believe a lot of those Brady Tampa jerseys are being sold in New England. Wouldn't you think? I don't know. Freeze Pops is nodding yes. I, I know many people that have bought Brady jerseys in New England. So A Tampa Bay Brady jersey. Yes. Wow. 
In fact, I'm going to buy one at some point. Can you explain why? Because I love Tom Brady, and he's brought me more joy than any other athlete in my entire life. And probably no other athlete will ever be able to give me the joy that Tom Brady has given me in this lifetime. So I, I will forever love him. But, As a, like a family member. But you're supporting another organization. By I'm supporting per- Tom. <laughs> yeah. But Tom doesn't know you're... He doesn't get some sort of energy boost because you bought his jersey from another team. He might. You don't know that. <laughs> in, uh, I'm not a big jersey guy, but in my wife's closet, there's a New York Giants Kurt Warner and an Arizona Cardinals Kurt Warner jersey. Really? Yep. See, Randy gets it. I just don't know if I love an individual player that much that I would support them by buying the jersey from another team. I think it's all about the guy. Do you, have you done that with anyone but Kurt? No, but that it, it's a special... Like Brady for Freeze Pops and the people in New England, that's the, the special guy. They, they probably they might sell some Gronk jerseys in New England, but especially when it's a quarterback that leads you to a Super Bowl, nine Super Bowls. Well, he's <laughs> been to nine yeah. Super Bowls. Yeah, so that, yeah that's it's crazy. He, he earns Tampa Bay jerseys being sold in New, in New England. I get it totally. But he chose to leave them. He did, but still, look what he did for those people. They had never won a Super Bowl, and he took them to nine and won six. Sure, so then I would keep my Brady Patriots jersey, and I would wear it with pride all the time, even though he left. Just because, I just cannot imagine. I'm trying to think of there, if there's a St. Louis athlete that, like, I I think Yadier Molina is, he's everything for mm-hmm. St. Louis, right? He is an icon in, as far as the Cardinals are concerned. If Yachty does not get a deal done with the Cardinals, and let's say he goes somewhere like the Mets, I'm not going to buy a Mets jersey because I love Yachty. I think a lot of people will, though. Wow. That's so foreign to me. Yeah. I, I totally get it. I I think St. Louis... Let me give you a couple of examples. When Kurt came back, he got a roaring standing ovation when he came in as a member of the Cardinals. It was the loudest ovation of the day sure. at the Dome. And just look at David Freeze coming back and the continued ovations that he got every time he stepped to the plate in St. Louis. But see, I understand that. I understand when they return home, you vocally support them, you emotionally support them. I can't imagine finance giving my dollars to another organization because a player that I love plays there. I saw multiple Angels Pujols jerseys last year on that weekend that he came in. Maybe I'm in the minority here. Hit us up, 65780. If a player that you loved left St. Louis, would you buy their jersey on another team? I think this is one town where it is about more than the laundry. I really do. Uh, Brett Hall coming back as a member of the Stars. I think a lot... I had a Brett Hall. I, I brought it, bought it at a charity auction, but I had a, a Brett Hall Stars sweater for a while. And a lot of people in St. Louis had those too. So here's my question. You're going to buy a Kurt Warner jersey, let's say Arizona Cardinals. Yep. When do you wear that? Because you're not you're not going to wear it to a game. Oh yeah, people why not? Yeah, the, but when you wear your Kurt Warner St. Louis Rams jersey if you're if you're going to a game in St. Louis? Oh no, because it was people were rooting for Kurt over the Rams. They would root for the Rams 14 weeks a season, but those other 2 weeks, man, they were rooting for the the quarterback. They were rooting for Kurt. Hmm. Sometimes a player transcends the laundry. Here's somebody, a 314. I've purchased an Albert jersey. Uh, let's see. I would only buy the jersey if we did not have a competing team. 
Here's one. Unless Yachty went to the Cubs, I would buy his jersey. Wow. I would totally buy a Deion Sanders jersey for every team. Uh, I would have bought a, uh, a Jordan Wizards jersey, a, a Bulls fan. So That is so crazy to me. Yep. And here's one for you, Michelle, from the 314. I'm not going to buy another team's jersey no matter what. Yeah. There's plenty of players, iconic athletes, or just athletes that I have affinity for that have played in St. Louis that they have gone elsewhere, and I have emotionally supported them. I have cheered for them. But I'm not going to wear a jersey. Jer- well, first of all, I don't wear jerseys anyway. But I'm not going to wear a jersey that is not a St. Louis Blues jersey or a St. Louis Cardinals jersey or a Battlehawks jersey. Because, yes, I'm throwing them in the fray. You have to, yeah. But, yeah. Okay, so. Let me give you one more sure. here. Sure. Uh, this from the 636. I'm a Pats fan, and I have two Tampa Brady jerseys and a Gronk. Free swaps, I told you to stop texting in. <laughs> <laughs> so one more nugget from the jersey sales rankings. I thought this was interesting. Joe Burrow checked in at number eight. Gronk was at wow. number seven. But I thought Joe Burrow, an Ohio guy going to the Bengals, number one overall pick, national cha- coming off the national championship, that he would rank higher than number eight. I just don't think that there's that fan base nationally for that team. There's a lot of Dolphins fans around because of when you fell in love with the Dolphins. Oh, yeah. And they've maintained that Dolphin fandom. Plus, you have the Alabama fandom that's buying two of jerseys, too. That's a good. I didn't even think about the Alabama fans. That yeah, are no, two not that's a great point. Alabama has a, a much larger national fan base than LSU. All due respect to the national champs, and then you, you've got the the old Marino Shula factor too. I think that that lends into to uh, the fact that the Bengals have never won a Super Bowl and they've been bad for such a long time, and they they're probably more of a Cincinnati entity than than anything else. I think that probably is why Burrow isn't higher. Thank you, Michelle. It was great. You got it, Randy. That's Michelle, and that is You're Killing Me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to talk to our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, talk some NHL with our Blues Insider from The Athletic, next on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Great Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic is with us now on 101 ESPN. JR, how you doing? Doing fine, Randy. Just sitting here at my laptop on Amazon. Just ordered you a uh, Brett Hall Detroit Red Wings sweater. Oh, lovely. <laughs> he was number 17 in Detroit, wasn't he? Because Vladimir <laughs> Konstantinov so, yeah. was 16, and they had kind of unofficially retired Konstantinov's number because of the tragic accident. So yeah. Yeah, we were talking the other day about that. Was it the 2 Stanley Cup with... Shanny and Holly and Steve Duchesne winning a Stanley Cup for, of all teams, the Red Wings. Yeah, and how many years did that go? And I know we can talk about this now because the Blues have won a Stanley Cup, but that long, long string of uh, years where an ex-Blue had, had won the Cup. Yeah, it was like something like 19 out of 20 yeah. where a oh. former Blue, either a Blues <laughs> coach or player, had won a Stanley Cup. Ridiculous. Yep, but you can talk about it now because uh, all is good in, in Blues land. Thank, thank goodness that's over. Oh, thank <laughs> goodness. Sometimes I think back to that run, JR, and I think if the Blues would have gone on this magical run, Gloria, Layla, all of the different storylines that the team had and that they they found a way to overcome, and they got to Game 7, and they somehow would have lost Game 7. I don't know how the Blues fans of St. Louis would have overcome that emotionally. I don't know if I could have ever overcome that emotionally. 
Michelle, as I sat in the TD Garden press box after game seven and the cursors blinking and I've somehow got to write a story about the Blues winning the Stanley Cup, I asked myself that same question. And so the very first sentence of my story is, there's no way the hockey gods could have done that to St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, tonight we're going to air the game uh, five, the Jaden Schwartz hat trick game, the five nothing game. We were talking to Curbs earlier. Uh, what are your recollections of, of that game in San Jose a year ago? Yeah, I heard you with uh, Curbs, and you guys had some good memories uh, from that game. Uh, what I remember is uh, how uh, San Jose early on was kind of laughing at the Blues that they came at them physically, and if they felt that playing every game. At that pace and that with that physicality was going to beat them, then you know they better think again. And, and there we were uh, in Game Five, and the Blues were just uh, pummeling the San Jose Sharks to the point, like uh, I think Curb said, you had nine uh, Sharks on the bench in terms of forwards, probably a couple more. Uh, so a short bench, and, and they just pummeled them. And you had guys like Pavelski uh, on the hit from Petrangelo. I uh, didn't come back. Carlson, uh, Eric Carlson was out. Uh, so they took out the, the best players. So it, it was just a clinic in terms of what Craig Burby and his team wanted to do. And eventually, we can talk about the hand pass. You can talk about all that other stuff. Uh, but the Blues played them so hard uh, that they eventually wore them out of the series. Jer, one of the other amazing things looking back on that run is we've been playing these games. And every game that we're playing, it's the Jaden Schwartz game. It's the Pat Maroon game. It's the Gunnarsson game. Randy and I were talking off air about just how every player on that team had their moment. They contributed in one way or another, whether it was a Jordan Bennington, obviously, or a Robert Thomas. It just seemed like every person on the team ascended at one point or another to contribute to the Blues winning their first cup. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because, hey, listen, this is a plug here, but I drive around listening to 101 all day, and, and I hear the promos about that night's uh, show and, and what they're going to talk about, and you're exactly right. Like, every time you hear a promo, it's about a different guy, and, and I think that's great because it embodies what we're going to remember about this team. You know, it wasn't a situation where it's a Vladimir Tarasenko hat trick, blues win, uh, Jordan Bennington stands on his head for the fifth game in a row. He's the only reason why the Blues are still in this series. That wasn't the case. Uh, the names that you rattled off, uh, a lot of those guys, all you have to do is say their name, say Gunnarsson, and you think about his uh, OT winner. You say Schwartz, you think about his two hat tricks. Uh, each guy on that team played a big part, uh, even some of the guys we're not talking about. JR, the Athletic, doing a great job of looking at the possibilities for the NHL, and it seems like they're zeroing in on a two-pod system. And I just want to know what you think of this playoff format that would have 12 teams from each conference. The 5 through 12 seeds would play around Robin, essentially play in tournament, while the top 4 seeds in each conference would play each other. And we don't know if they'd be meaningless games or if they would help for seedings, but those teams are already in the playoffs. Yeah, it seems that that's the way uh, it's headed. I did just listen to a radio hit with uh, Bob McKenzie, who's really uh, clued in, and, and he said the uh, same thing, but everything is still uh, you know, not hammered out yet. So, so that could change. But, you know, the way that Bob broke it down and the way I'll break it down for you guys is uh, there's really no right answer. I think every system potential format you look at, there's questions uh, about it. I mean, if you have the top four teams playing each other, as Curbs mentioned, uh, that's tough to see those guys beat up on each other early on. Uh, if you see a Montreal or a Chicago catch fire and all of a sudden, uh, you know, one of those teams in the East beats a, a Pittsburgh or a Tampa Bay early on because they're healthy now, they're fresh. You know, that's hard to fathom because those teams 
had less than a 1% chance to, to be in the playoffs at the pause. So I think there's a lot of questions about uh, any system that they pick, but, but I think what they're zeroing in on, uh, Randy, appears to be uh, the best solution to, to this uh, crazy situation. I know this is a difficult question, Jr., but because... That's like, what you ask. Yeah, it seems like that's right. But it seems like every day and every hour, really, we're getting different reports. I mean, at the beginning of the week, we heard eight to nine cities. Then yesterday it was four. Today it's two. So I know that this is a very fluid situation. But if you had to project or handicap it, is there a date or maybe a week or just some sort of target date where you think we may get a resolution to this? Well, uh, you know, this isn't anything that's uh, official, but uh, I just keep hearing it, it could be in the next couple days uh, in terms of an announcement of uh, the format that they want to adopt and, and potentially uh, a calendar date of when they could start playing. I mean, uh, you know, I'm just spitballing here, but if they were to come out in the next couple of days and say they're going to adopt that 2014 uh, format, I would think that the next step would be phase two and would be getting the players in town to start uh, skating. So you're calling the players in from Europe and, you know, potentially starting a training camp here uh, early June, mid June and trying to get uh, things up and running in July. But you're right. You know, you, you still got to select the pod cities. Those pod cities uh, have to prepare. Are there two of them? Are there four of them? Uh, a lot of work logistics still would have to go into play, but I'm sure they've been taking care of some of that behind the scenes. I don't know if they have the rinks, but I think the quad cities for the pod cities would be great. Yeah, <laughs> it would be great. It'd just be fun to say and write, huh? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hey, JR, one more thing. We're going to air the Blues' best games from this season on Memorial Day, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. We're going to be uh, airing games all day, starting with the Blues and Red Wings from October 27th, Blues and Flames. You can get the entire list at 101ESPN.com, but I want to tell you, the third game we're going to air is the Blues-Blackhawks game from December 14th when they were down 3 nothing in the third period and Randy left. And so I'm driving <laughs> home and I hear Curbs and Joey, as they call the Blues rally, to beat Chicago. It was unbelievable, and I got to admit here, I, try, I go to as, as many games as I can on the road. I usually go to every single home game. I actually did not go to that game. There was a family Christmas party, and your kids are only young once, so I talked myself into going to uh, the party, and I saw that they were down 3 nothing in the third. And I'll be honest here, part of the writer in you says, okay, well, at least I didn't miss anything here. <laughs> right. it, 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 at least people aren't going to be saying, hey, where's your story on this uh, amazing win the Blues had last night? And so I felt pretty good. And then I checked my phone as uh, Santa Claus passed out the presents and uh, saw three one three two three three. And I was like, okay, you got to be kidding me. So, so I'll have to listen to that game, actually, so I can uh, hear what happened. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. So we're going to have that for you. Uh, brought to you by Schnooks on Memorial Day, the Blues Memorial Day replay. JR, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And we won't speak before Memorial Day, so enjoy Memorial Day, and uh, Michelle wants to know, and I want to know, are you going to do any grilling? Uh, the wife does that. I, I tried it about 15 years ago, and she hasn't let me do it since, so she'll right. be doing the grilling. But, hey, next time I see you, I'll, uh, I'll bring in that Holly jersey. All right. I love it. Thanks, JR. See you later. Hey, guys. That is our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ESPN. You looking forward to all those games on Memorial Day? That's the one I want to listen to because that was just unbelievable. We've been so lucky. Some of the games that we've got to witness, the Blues played in, the, in just the past calendar year alone. It's been remarkable. If you, if you were going to so if, if I were going to put together a list of my top ten most memorable Blues games, we we're approaching half of them being in the last calendar year. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been a great run. 
Danny Mac is going to join us. The uh, Scoops with Danny Mac program coming your way from 10 to 11 here on 101 ESPN. And we'll cross things over to Danny Mac next on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, the crossover on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac is coming up here on 101 ESPN at the top of the hour, but we always like to talk to Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals on FS Midwest, before he does his official show because we enjoy your presence and you're a fun guy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good morning. By the way, can I promote what I have coming up? We would love to have you promote what's coming up. Uh, Matt Carpenter. We're going to check in with him down in Texas. So, Yeah, Mark will be with us. We'll find out how he's Making it through quarantine with a couple little kids and his wife, and I'm sure he's working out with his dad and trying to stay sharp for baseball. And any of the guys I talk to, whether it's uh, doing a show like this or uh, you know just just checking in, just seeing how how things are going. Like last night, I did a town hall with Jason Mott and John Brebia, and it's not if. It's always, well, when we come back, I can't wait to do this. When we come back, it's going to be this. When we have the season in a couple weeks, it's going to be this. It's never if. So I take that as a great sign. At their peak, their peak beards, Brebbia or Mott? Great question. Uh, We definitely got into the beards for a good 10 minutes yesterday. (laughs) You got to stretch. You know, you got things to talk about here. Um, John had the mustache going. It was just starting to come in. I think at their peak, I got to go with Brebbia because Mod kept his more of a, um, I would say, more north and south, where Brebbia <laughs> is more east to west. Well so those, you know, if you wanted to pull on it, it goes beyond the ears, well beyond the ears. So it truly is like, you know, what was that show with the the Willie uh, Robertson? Um, come on, help me out here. The Willie Robertson guys. I can't believe oh, you. And you knew them. Uh, we got the three guys here, th- three people you're talking. Come on. Yeah, we're, we're, Text line, help us out. Willie Robertson and. Yeah. Uh, you guys are killing me. Well, you're, killing you're me buddies small. with Sorry, the guys. <clears throat> yeah, the Willie little. came up to the booth. He was part of uh, Family Day at the ballpark, and he was fun. Come on, Willie Robertson. Yeah, we'll we'll get it here. Hold on, Colin Duck Dynasty. There Duck you Duck go. Dynasty. Thank you. Don't I never get... watched Duck Dynasty. Oh, it was great. Yeah. I wasn't into it. My mom was into it, and um, and my <laughs> my mom says to me, um, "Hey, when Willie's up there," and she never asked me any. She asked me for tickets one time a year. She goes with her friends, and I I take care of them. <laughs> Joe Strom of the Cardinals ticket office takes care of them, but she never asked me for like, "Hey, will you get an autograph?" or "Can you get that?" Never. Never, 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 never. Willie Robertson shows up, and I mean, my phone's... Dan, um, can you see if Willie is really, you know, with Uncle Cy going on, can you ask him about that? And do you mind getting an autograph for this? So I, I, he signed it, you know, to Jane. You know, thanks for always watching the show. Big fan, Willie Robertson. So... At my mom's house, potentially, I haven't seen it, but it could be like a picture of my grand, of her grandkids, my kids, and then a framed Willie Robertson autograph. I'm not sure, but it really meant a lot to her. So that's where the beard is. So Dan, I'm, I'm going Brebbia. Are you a beard guy? Have you ever grown a beard? Well, I'm still trying to finish puberty. And, you know, I started doing baseball when I was nine, so it didn't really come in all that well. Like, people are like, well, do you wear makeup? I'm like, nah, not really. I don't really need it because, um, you know... 
18 years old doing games. So uh, if I did try, I do. I can get a beard. Um, I had a quarantine beard going for a little mm-hmm. bit. I can get more like the Fu Manchu because I'm real splotchy all over my face. It just doesn't look good. One not, time not I, at all. I got my head shaved for charity, and I did it. Well, I had the shaved head. I decided to go with the, the goatee for a little while. <laughs> did you like it? It was okay. I find it gets a little itchy on your neck and stuff. Yeah, I, oh, there's no way I could do facial hair on a regular basis. No, mine's too splotchy, and it comes in. Now I'm getting older, so it comes in gray. Some of it's white. My kids said one time I, I did it during the off-season, they said I looked like a skunk. <laughs> so I was like, all right, not a good look. I'm out. They did. Got to appreciate honest. the honesty, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. So you have Matt Carpenter today. We, we have Chris Carpenter at 930 tomorrow. Oh, awesome. Michelle's all-time favorite cardinal. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. He is, uh, I think we talked about it maybe a week ago, how much he has changed in his personal life. And I don't know how open he'll get with that, but really is a changed man. Um, and I think that happens with a lot of players when they're done playing. You know, it's kind of like, what's next in my life? What's the next thing I need to look for? I got to have a purpose in my life because you've always had the adulation of a crowd. You've always been working towards every fifth day, in his case, pitching. He's one of the most intense competitors in the history of this organization. And all of a sudden when it ends and it doesn't go on your terms because his was done with injury, Mm -hmm. that's hard to deal with. And so uh, I know he's been very introspective in that. And I did an event with uh, Chris and Jim Edmonds for the National Children's Cancer Society two years ago. I'm not sure where either one of you guys hit that one. Yes. Uh, So you saw you saw Chris then. He, he was incredible. Yeah. And I, I I think it just shocked people how talkative, how fun, how relaxed he was. Because the image that we all have, at least I do, and I get goosebumps thinking about it, but was game five against Roy Halladay. And his I think that reaction is maybe my favorite reaction of anything I've ever seen in sports. It was just him screaming out of joy, relief, exhilaration in one of the greatest games in Cardinals history. And that's the picture that you think of him. And um, and he's not like that. I, I got to know Chris as a player. And for whatever reason, we we clicked. And, um, and so I, I just... I knew him on a personal level. I know him on a personal level. I talk to him all the time. He's just a great dude. He is just a fabulous human being. I have to imagine that covering him for the writers and for the people that were around on a daily basis was kind of like covering Bob Gibson because both for the media kind of gruff. But similar to Bob Gibson, once they weren't playing anymore, softened up considerably in terms of just their their geniality. And I I remember the day that... uh, it was the day that Chris went into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And, you know, we, we had a nice working relationship. But he comes up and he says, hey, Randy, how you doing? And he's smiling and happy. And yes. I've never seen him smiling and happy yes. before. And that's the, that's the point. I think when guys are such great competitors, um, they have to stay. It's kind of like an actor. What's the, when, it, when an actor gets into the, the actual character, what's that Method called? Method acting. acting. Yeah. I think it's almost like that mm-hmm. for a player to where the intensity is so high they can't turn it off. It's just who they are. And in terms of covering Chris, I, I made a point personally that I wouldn't talk to him usually before the, the day before and certainly not the day of. Right. I, I tried to avoid him on the day of. I didn't want to see him and just let him be him. Um, what's interesting about him is the anxiety that he went through in sports. And I don't know if he'll open up with you guys about that. And he's, he's talked about it publicly, so I don't think I'm sharing private secrets, but... You know, he used to 
well, first of all, he was a, a sweater. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw how much he would sweat, and part of that was the anxiety of pitching. And he talked about when he'd, he'd have something to eat before the game, a lot of times it would come up. And eating for him on the day of a game was tough, and they'd have jerseys ready for him, especially in St. Louis. He was sweating so much that he would have to, you know, after inning one or two, you know, go in the clubhouse, cool off, put on a new jersey, and then go back out. That that happened for him a lot. He said the anxiety of it was was great. Um, we talked about it yesterday on my show. I think that when you look at Chris Carpenter and this run that the Cardinals have had, a lot of it starts with him because he was under Roger Clemens, David Wells, Roy Halladay, um, Pat, Pat Hinkin, and, and all that stuff kind of carried over to St. Louis, which then carried to Adam Wainwright, and Adam Wainwright is carrying it to Jack Flaherty. So mm-hmm. that, that has carried on, the tradition of what he's doing. And uh, his kids, uh, uh, Sam is his son, and he is probably a junior in high school, and his daughter, I think, will be an eighth grade or a freshman. And it wouldn't shock me at all once they graduate high school and, and move on to college or whatever they're going to do in their lives that we would see him more and more involved with the Cardinals because the players respect him so greatly. Mm-hmm. And when he's down in spring training, they're always trying to find out what what am I doing right, what am I doing wrong, mental edge and that kind of thing. So wouldn't surprise me at all if, if he got more involved with the Cardinals somehow. And if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and just search uh, Chris Carpenter Christ. And it's a little segment called Hands Held High Chris Carpenter and it's an unbelievable yeah. story about how he found the Lord. It's an amazing epic story. Yeah, and you wouldn't normally, you know, I think the casual fan again just remembers the intensity yeah. and the screaming of game yeah. 5 and you you see him in a different light. He's he's a great guy. Just um and I know he misses sports, man, because he loves hockey. Yeah. God, he loves hockey. So, I know he's missing that and missing baseball too. We're going to get sports back. I think we are. I think there's so much momentum to make this happen. And I've been thinking a lot about baseball, too. You're seeing the NBA doing what they're doing, and the NHL looks like they're edging closer. I mean, those are contact sports. Baseball basically isn't. This can be done. Mm -hmm. It can be done. It's a daunting task. There's a lot of things that need to happen. I thought the 67-page report was unrealistic in many ways, but I think they had to do it to show the local... Um, you know, government and CDC that, that they're, they're trying to do everything they can to keep the players uh, protected and safe. But again, I, I think it comes down to what are you willing to risk? That's number one. Yep. And number two, if, if, if not now, when? Because if we don't do it now and we're in this boat next spring, is this the time to do it? Or are there pharmaceutical cocktails? Do we have a vaccine close? I mean, no one knows. I, we all can guess, but no one knows. So if not now, when? And What's your risk? One other thing before we get to scoops with... Do you guys agree with Dan that? Mac, 100%. Yes. Yeah. And I think baseball, the, the ownership, what they basically did is they gave the union the waiver that they would give to individual players. This is going to be a, a, a collectively bargained waiver mm-hmm. so that if somebody does contract the virus, baseball can say, well, we've done everything that we possibly could to protect you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, probably protecting themselves against any losses. And, and again, if you're a player and you made a lot of money and you don't want to do it because you're afraid to bring it home to your wife or your kids or your mom or your dad or elderly or grandparents, I get it. It's okay. Yeah. You, you don't have to do it. And and I don't think anybody should begrudge them if they don't want to do no. it. It's their choice. Okay. One other thing that we need to say before we leave and you take over with your fine program, and that is, Caw-caw! Are you ready for it? I'm ready. <sighs> Hot. Now, let me get this straight. So, and and 
you're you're dialed in, Michelle. So Vince McMahon owned a league, right? Yep. It's in bankruptcy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now he wants to buy it back. Yeah. Yep. I, I believe huh. he probably owned an LLC, and that went into bankruptcy. But with his own cash, he could buy it back. Yes. Can you bring it back a third time? That's the question. Here in St. Louis, yes, because it would only be a second time. But you've also had that alliance of American football. So you've had back-to-back years where you've had a failure for yeah. different reasons. But well, I, he's convinced that, it's going to work. Well, the thing that we've learned, though, is that you can, I don't think you go into NFL cities. Right, exactly. Yep. Just go into places that are craving football and, and just call it what it is. Yeah. It's minor league football. And and if you want to come out and support it, do it. But go to places that are going to have facilities that aren't going to be 60,000 stadiums. Now, St. Louis may have been different, especially against the L.A. team. Mm-hmm. I, I would have loved to have seen that. I was really disappointed we didn't see that. But go to non-NFL cities and places that are craving that type of football that can fill eight to 10,000 people and put it in there and do it. There, and there's plenty of those cities out there. I would agree. I think there's plenty that just want some type of professional sports. Have a fantastic show, Daniel. Looking forward to it, guys. Matt Carpenter coming up on Scoops with Danny Mac. Dan is the man. Thanks to Freeze Pops. Great job as our producer today, sir. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We'll talk tomorrow. Colin Surrey running the board and uh, running the, the the whole situation here <laughs> in the studio. Michelle, as always, great work. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. See you tomorrow. And we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, being part of the show for all of us until tomorrow at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.